Good morning, everyone online. I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm not Buddy Chapman. I'm Angela, but you're still in the right place. He's just given me the privilege of sharing my heart for Jesus with you today. So uh, I'm glad all of y'all are here as well. But as is typical with me, I like to start with, I guess, what the dog calls some beautiful bean footage. So let's start with a little bit of video and uh, we'll go from there. So today what I want to talk to you about are the storms of life and when they're raging. How do you feel? What's going on with you? you know, when you're waiting to just get through that struggle, when all of a sudden you feel trapped in darkness, you feel cold and alone, you're wondering, what's going on? Why do I feel this way? I, I feel like I'm lost and wondering, sometimes just desperate for a sign. You know, we thirst for solace and peace, and some days it's hard to find. Some days we feel stranded and surrounded by rising water. And we wonder, how are we going to get out of this? And then there's work, that endless running that seems to never reach the goal you're striving for. And fighting that temptation sometimes to just simply give up. In the moments when hope seems lost, there is hope. We have to listen for the I am calling out to each one of us. He's saying, hold on. Everything's going to be all right. I've got you. I have not forgotten you or forsaken you. Hold on. It's going to be okay. Can you hear it? You are precious to me. He says it to all of us every day. Hold on. This will pass. My rescue is drawing near. Hold on. For I will lift you out of the darkness. I'm going to help you. Hope is coming. And in the midst of suffering and storms, that voice, that still small voice of God is saying, hey, reach out your hand to mine and just hold on. Have you ever felt like you needed somebody to encourage you to hold on? When you feel like, okay, I'm not sure why I feel this way. I'm not sure why I am thinking this way. I'm not sure everything that I know uh, is all of a sudden being contrary in contrast to what's going on in my life. And what we all know, too, is a lot of those times when we find ourselves in that place where we're questing to hold on, the voice of God gets hard to hear. The world is loud. Opinions are rampant. Facebook is free. And all of a sudden, the quiet... Your outer chaos and your inner chaos to get to the truth becomes a difficult task. Now, I interviewed Billy Graham years and years ago. This was maybe 25 years ago. And he said, uh, be careful what you hear from the pulpit because that's often what's going on at home. So when I would listen to him preach, I knew that what he was saying was, if I'm not living it, I'm not preaching it. So I'm sharing with you today the things that as I am studying, as I am seeking and trying to find that capacity in the middle of things I don't understand to hold on. So I'm not in the cheap seats. I'm right there with you. All right? You know, it's, it's my Rudy movie moment. I'm going to have to get that printed on a magnet on the refrigerator. You know, when he went and asked the priest, you know, what can you tell me about God? And he said, well, I know two things. There is a God 
and I'm not him. I feel that way every day. I know there is a God and I'm not him. But you know when you're in one of those hold on moments when the beauty of life is all of a sudden just, uh, it evaporates in your perspective. You can't see something good. You can't see where good things are coming from. You can't notice that the leaves are changing. You don't notice that, that the dog is happy. I mean, the things you overlook and overstep to get right back to the problem that's been nagging you. Have you ever been there? In Romans it says, We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out to our hearts through his Holy Spirit that he's given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time, when everything was going to heck in a handbasket, when people were doing crazy stuff, there was Jesus and he died at just the right time for the powerless and the ungodly. Sometimes when we feel like we are powerless to change things, Sometimes when we, I, I, I call it fleshing out, when you, when you stop being who you know you are and start being who you just feel like being and you're fleshing out, right? I mean, I, hey, look, I, I'm not living in a bubble. It's the fact. Somewhere around 6.35 a.m. when we're waiting for the bus, there's some fleshing out at my house. Get your shoes on. You know, and in your heart you want to say, come on, honey, get on the bus. Here's your backpack. Let's go. It's just not that way. Let's get into reality, folks. We need God in reality so that our reality can change and be more like him. Instead of lying to ourselves and going, praise the Lord, hallelujah, good to see you. And then we don't talk to him on Monday. Let's go. Let's get into the reality. Sometimes we are powerless and we are ungodly in the way we act. But Jesus redeemed all that. So now let's focus on the important part that we really need to grab our heads around today. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So when things aren't going quite right, and you got to hold on, you need help to hold on. And then the help starts to come. And then you begin to trust God that while I'm holding on by my fingernails, he's got me by the back of the neck. And then all of a sudden, I begin to be able to hold on. I'd be able to stand firm. I begin to realize that as I'm getting to know the character and nature of Christ, that he is not there to condemn me, but to save me, that he cares about my needs. He cares about my weakness. He cares about my failings. He cares when I fall short. He still loves me. When I get to know his character, all of a sudden, my character starts to change. And then as my character changes, I'm depending on him because I'm going through something and I need to hold on. I have hope. Hope in the original Greek is confident expectation. It takes me a while to get to a confident expectation that whatever I started this process with, God is going to take care of. Does that compute? That makes sense. So that perseverance comes from that relationship with God saying, look, in and of yourself, you are weak. I don't care if you're type A, B, C, D, Z. I don't care what block you are in in the quadrant of social reactions with people. You are powerless without Jesus. Okay? So we need to turn the blocks red. We turn the need to turn all the A's to J's. And we need to say, I need you, Jesus, because my type A can't handle it. 
Perseverance. When everything around you seems like it is just barren, and that glimmer of hope springs forward. Can you see it when it starts to happen? Often we treat hope like weeds. We go and pull it out of the crack in the sidewalk. Because we have gotten so comfortable in knowing how to deal with, well, that's, when I hear someone say, oh, that's just the way I am. To me, what I hear, I don't want to change anything. I don't care that you're offering me hope. I don't care that when I'm, it's like, you know, I tell that old joke about the lady on the house when the, when the tide's coming up. God save me. And the guy in the boat, hey, no. God save me. The, you know, the, the helicopter comes by. Nope. Finally gets to heaven. Why did you save me? Since your boat, since your helicopter. You weren't interested in a solution. You were interested in the drama of being on the roof. I don't mean to sound harsh, but we all do it. Well, all of a sudden we get caught in the blender and we don't, we don't see the hope springing forward. The Greek word is that, which is pronounced hopomene, hopomene, hopomene. Somebody look it up. I'm sure you're smarter than me, but it's Greek. Um, I speak English. All right, so, all right, look. It's described as the ability of a plant to thrive in a harsh environment, literally in the desert or a rocky slope. Whatever it is, it makes something grow in a place it's not supposed to grow. All right? That's perseverance. Then when you apply it to people, it means to continue moving forward with an attitude of hope even when confronted with unpleasant circumstances and great distress. So when we talk about perseverance, most people don't want to hear it because they know perseverance comes from unpleasant circumstances and great distress. They really don't want to discuss that. Because none of us seek out unpleasant circumstances and great distress. None of us. But those are opportunities to grow in the understanding of the character and nature of Christ and how much he loves you even when things aren't going quite right. Because more often than not, when the struggles of life hit, you go one or two directions, your way or his. The his way will bring you back around to the reward that comes from perseverance, which is victory. So, when you're standing there at that precipice, at that moment, you feel all alone. There's a, a large chasm to cross. You can't really see the beauty in front of you. You don't really care that there may be alternate ways of getting places. All of a sudden, we forget that perseverance is essential for successful living. We have to persevere every day. It's not just the big little, the big crisis, it's the little ones. There's an old saying, it is worse to be nibbled at by minnows than to be swallowed by a whale. I don't know if you've ever been in Back River, and you're standing in the water and you're fishing or something, and all the little minnows are coming up. It gets on your nerves because it creeps you out because you keep having to look to make sure it isn't something bigger behind it. It allows us to con consistently pursue a goal or unwaveringly live out our beliefs regardless of obstacles and difficulties. It's a commitment to faith. Perseverance is a commitment in your mind and heart that God loves you enough to help you through. In Hebrews 12.1, the pursuit of the Christian life is compared to a foot race. 
The vivid analogy shows the importance of persevering in the race of faith in order to attain our spiritual reward. Now I'm going to show you some race images and stuff today, but I am not talking about physical fitness. I am talking about spiritual fitness. Okay? I'm not talking about go get your shoes on, let's go run around the road, because I'll tell you right now, I won't be behind you. All right? Not my giftedness. Nicholas can run until the cows come home, and he's like, can we go again? I do not have that ability. All right? But what I'm talking about today is spiritual fitness. Everybody, there's a, you ever notice in a race, it's got lanes, right? All right? Now, each one of those lanes, when you go to run a race, is assigned to you at some point. Now, there's some races where everybody mixes together. I don't want to get into the semantics of racing. But my point is, you have a, a race that's set before you. There's a lane for you. In Hebrews, when it talks about the race of faith, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and, we, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Okay, so the great cloud of witnesses in the original interpretation of the scripture were all the people that went before them. We're talking the Moses stuff, right? We're talking the people that walked around, the miracles that were, that, that were happening, that were just these visible moments of deliverance that were going on. That, they were talking about, wow, in front of this, these witnesses, all these people are seeing what God is doing. They're not talking necessarily the, the theater full of the amphitheater full of people or, or the arena or the side of the road. They're talking about the others who are, are going forward in faith. And they lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. In other words, that foundational connection, that part of you that says, I trust that God is going to take care of me, gets dissuaded. All it takes, I talked to somebody yesterday, all it takes, unfortunately, is one Facebook, and we are ensnared easily. That somebody doesn't like me, somebody doesn't love me, somebody doesn't care about me. And we forget, Jesus loves you, doesn't care what anybody else says about you. He loves you. So now, let us run. There is the admonition. There's what we're called to do. We've got to pick a lane, get in it. Time to run, right? So we say, oh my gosh, I'm called to run my race. You are called to run your race. Each one of us are running a different race based on the call of God in your life, based on the things that are going on in your life. God wants a personal relationship with you and he's called you to run your race. So when I try to compare my race to yours, it's not going to work. When you try to compare your race to mine, it's not going to work. But occasionally, and it's, and it's been amazing to me in the past few months, people I haven't seen in a long time because of the things I'm going through with my folks, all of a sudden they ran alongside momentarily because they knew what was going on and had already been there. Their race had something to contribute to mine. And then they're gone. And you wonder, if for a season, we'll call it, right? And then we wonder why our, our, our footpaths aren't intertwined longer. Because now it's time for us to run our race. And, and everything that we persevere and we go through, as we're running our race, we have a responsibility to pay attention to the people around us. Not to so much compete against them, but to go, wow, you're stumbling over that. I've already skinned both knees on it. Let me tell you. Let me share this with you impact the way they run their race. 
Now run, I looked that up. Because to us, run is literally put shoes on, get on the road, hit it, right? But as I began to look up in the original Greek definition of run, run means moving forward with full effort and directed purpose. So when you are called to run your race, God is saying, I've called you to move forward with full effort and directed purpose. Doesn't say how fast you need to go. It's not talking about speed. What it's talking about right here is focus on where you're going. Buddy always says the windshield's bigger than the rear view. Focus on where you're going. Put everything into it. Give God your all. What does all look like? It may be getting up in the morning and praying an extra few minutes. It may be, I, I used, when I commuted through the tunnel, that was a great time to just listen to the word and, and get it, you know, have a minute to think and hear. I don't know what that full effort is. But what I do know is that when you are confronted by things that want to throw you off and so easily entangle you, your full effort will say, God, I'm going to believe you more than I do them. Here's what your word says about me. That's where I'm going to stand today. That's part, of that, that's part of that full effort and directed purpose. Anybody ever heard that definition before? Remind you one more time. Running means moving forward with full effort and directed purpose. Are you running your race for you or him? I ask myself that every day. It's very easy to run your race for you. I, me, mine. Those three will get you every time. Listen to yourself. I, me, mine. When you hear those three coming up in your dialogue constantly, your race is pretty self-focused. And we all do it. It's pretty obvious when you're running a race that isn't yours. Somebody talked her into that. Can you tell she's not happy about it? All right? It becomes obvious when you are not running your race, when you have all of a sudden said, well, I don't have the energy to figure out what my race is, but I see you running this way, so I'll just go with you. You ever had anybody in your life do that? They say, I'm just going to run with you. All of a sudden, when they, when they need prayer, they'll call you because they need prayer. And you say, well, have you been praying? No, I wanted to wait till I could talk to you. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a God. I'm not him. Glad to pray with you, but I want you to be empowered to know that he hears your voice just as clearly as he hears mine. You, you get what I'm saying? Two or more. Yeah, I'm all for that. I will pray with you, but I want you to pray for you. I want you to talk to him. Because that personal relationship with Jesus, oh, that changes things. Personal relationship with me, I will get on your nerves. I love you. I, I make silly jokes. I'll say the funny things. Occasionally, you may be happy with me, but more often, I am, there is a God, I'm not him. So in that relationship with Jesus, he will never let you down. So if you're, you're looking at your race and, and your life and what's going on with you, and this is kind of how you feel, is that you're up to your neck in mud and you're carrying logs and you're asking yourself about 12 miles in, why am I here? Time to change the race. Time to start seeking that direction of how do I get off this race and onto yours? If this is how you feel on a daily basis, you might be in the wrong race. And you're going and you're coming. You come back and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. Now, here's the thing. Am I saying go quit your job? Nope. 
When you change the who you're doing things for, it changes the how you do them, and then all of a sudden it invigorates you because despite the task, the who changes everything. Uh, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you, get, uh, you get where I'm coming from? So if you got the who going with you, then now you're doing it for the who. He'll help you with the how, and he'll lift you off the bench. Don't say a word, Nicholas, because that's me. <laughs> when everything's getting on your last nerve, when you feel like, I don't know what to do, I'm frazzled, I don't have the answers anymore, I'm a solutions person, I like to help, I like to do what I can, and often, all of a sudden, I'm into the doing and the fixing and the, the paperwork and the doing everything I can for everybody else, and if I've forgotten the who I'm really doing it for, not the who that's closest to me, but the who, that eternity-related relationship in my life, if I've forgotten that he's first and then all these other people kind of fall in there and you're in the middle of your process of daily life of serving people, and here's the problem. Here's why it's so difficult to get the who right some days. Because the other who's are right here. Right? So that's why when you get up in the morning, get with the, the ultimate. Get with the him that is going to guide and direct you through your life first. Okay? God, give me the ability to hear your voice. I say that on a daily basis. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Because everyone else is audible. And your still small voice is sometimes hard to tune in in with constant on a daily basis. And then you come home like this and you got algebra for homework. Not my strong suit, I'm just telling you. And then there's this. That that constant sense of pressure of time and purpose. Okay, so there was a story in the news. This woman was uh, trying to, to lose weight and she wanted to be involved in some of the 3K, 5K kind of things that were going on. So she said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. She didn't get a whole lot of support from her family because they'd already seen all these other kind of fads of effort. And she knew she had to be there. First one ever had to be there at 7 a.m. You've got to be there at 7 a.m. So she went to get up and, of course... The dog was sick and the kids didn't want to help and the husband was gone. Everything was chaos. So she's running out of the house, putting her shoes on, finally gets in the car, skids into the parking lot. As she gets in there, 6.59, she hops out and she hears over the PA, Runners, are you ready? And she panics. I paid my money. I've got my little thingamajig, you know, it's all button on my shirt. It's my first time. I'm so excited. Are you ready? Are everybody on the race line? She runs over into the group of people, just in time for bang. She's off. She made it. Woo, heart rate's already at a million because she's just fought the day to get there. The victory in starting was there. And she ran. And then she walked. And then she ran. And one came. And she said, woo, thank you, Jesus. Ready. Two. All right. Three. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Only got two to go. And then as she got to five, she was waiting for, please, Lord, please, Lord. She looks up. There is no finish line. Everybody is still kind of running in a bunch. She's kind of far behind at this point. And they're turning. So she's like, oh, well, maybe it's over there. So she follows them over there. And they keep running. And she's, she's like, well, maybe it like circles back around. Maybe that's how you finish this thing. But surely it's more than 5K by now. Well, somewhere in the middle of a neighborhood where she didn't know where she was, she'd now woven her play way into a community she didn't recognize. She realizes as she's going like this, she goes, how much further? And the guy goes, well, let's see. We're in mile seven, 
This is 23 miler. What? She had, bang, the marathon. She was in the middle of the full-fledged, gonna go 23 mile marathon. At this point, she can walk seven miles back or just keep going. So almost like a SpongeBob moment, two days later, she finishes the, the 23 miler. My point, at the end of the race, when she got there, they interviewed her, and she said, it was a horrible mistake, but I persevered. So I didn't win, but I finished. I didn't win, but I finished. I didn't even do what I'd planned to do. I don't know. Maybe there was something in this where God was showing me I can do more than I set for myself. Sometimes this is what we do. We are in a panic mode. We got the schedule. We got stuff to do. We've got it in our minds, how it's going to go, when it's going to happen, when we're going to be home, when it's going to be finished. And then God changes the plan somewhere in there. She wasn't necessarily running the race she had planned to run. But she said when she crossed that finish line, as painful as it was, it was a liberating moment for her that there was more. She could do more than what she'd even expected of herself. So sometimes when we're running our race, it can feel like, oh, my God. But God is building in you something that you never even knew you needed, which is the confidence to go on. Now, I'm going to be silly for a second. Did y'all see this in the news? When you're running a race and it's something you want to do, I've had runners tell me it's this invigorating. You just feel like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm called to do this. When you see those Olympic runners and they talk about the joy of running, I have never experienced that. But I can imagine it must be awesome, right? Well, they had this uh, marathon, and this lady's house was right at the beginning of the marathon, within about two blocks of it getting started. It ran through a residential neighborhood and kept going. Well, at about 7 o'clock in the morning, she let her dog out to do his business, right? And that was about the time they were going, and all these people were running down the road. Well, the dog's standing in the yard, and he watches all these people run by, and he says, awesome! He takes off. He runs the entire marathon. The owner can't get him. She waits at the finish line. The dog runs the whole way, happy as a pig in slop, because he just knew, I can do this. This is awesome. This is what, I'm a dog. I like to run. And look at all these people running with me. It was like the, all the best of all the worlds collide. And you say, what does this have to do with my relationship with Jesus? When you are running in a race that you just feel invigorated to be in, and there's that sense that I am called to do this, nobody's going to stop you. There's a joy that comes out of that. You're not looking at the signs going, oh, Lord, it's mile seven. You're not. You're invigorated to do it. People will look at you and go, how do you do that? I know it's the Lord. There's, there's a joy of the Lord that renews your strength. I'm, you know, that sounds bad, but I, I want that. I want to be able to, oh, boy, a, let me get in there. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. All right, so... But this is sometimes how we deal with faith, that faith race. We find ourselves with our hands up planted on our knees. We forget that the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. We are called to stay the course and remain faithful to the end. Paul used this same imagery near the end of his life. He said, look, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wasn't literally talking about a foot race. He was talking about his faith race. That everything that was trying to come against him to talk him out of who he believed in and whose he was, he maintained his race. 
He knew, you're not going to dissuade me. My, my sandals are dirty. My feet are tired. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Moving forward. Staying the course. In the middle of long races, runners hit the wall, they say. A point where they feel physically and emotionally spent. From their perspective, the finish line is too far away and quitting is a strong temptation. Spiritually, we can come to those very same places. When Christians continue running, choosing obedience over emotion, they will eventually experience that second wind, a renewal of God's strength that sustains them. So when your emotion is saying, I just can't do it anymore, think about yourself. Have you ever said that? I just can't do it anymore. I can't keep going like this. This is just too much. It is not too much for God. It is not too much for the Jesus that loves you. It is not too much when you say, okay, I'm going to hold on. I'm down in the dumps today, feeling really sad. I'm going to hold on. God, my mind is in all sorts of places today. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to read things that you ever read something when you know it in your heart, you know, for God so loved the world or whatever, but you're in that funky place where when you read it, you're like, for God so loved the world. It has somehow lost its vigor. God didn't change. We did. We got focused on whatever it is that was going on in the swirl at the moment, and we forgot that, hey, hold on. God will give you the second wind. He is not going to leave you nor forsake you. You will not be alone in the crisis. You may feel it, but let me clue you in. Feelings lie. When you can go beyond what you feel to what you know, you are in a point of perseverance and victory. Your feelings will catch up. But if they can catch you before you dig in deep to what you know in your heart about your relationship with Jesus, they'll hold you there. He doesn't really love you. Think of all the mistakes you've made. Think of all the things you've done. It will try their best to remind you. Feelings will try to hold you captive. But I'm telling you, hold on and get that second wind. Push through what you hear to what you know. Push through from what you think. You ever heard of stinking thinking? When you think things, you worry about things, you get hooked up on something, your fears begin to take over. What does the scripture say? Fear not for I am with you. Doesn't mean that you won't experience fear. It's asking you to stop, which means you experienced it. So now I'm telling you, fear not, I'm right here. That's like if somebody's messing with Nicholas or something. You know, fear not. How much more does your heavenly father want to have your back? Fear not. Get your second wind. It'll sustain you. It'll give you the hope to hold on. And some days that's what we need, the hope to hold on. Tomorrow will be better. Next hour will be better. In 10 minutes it will be better. Whatever the timeline, if you're holding on to Jesus, he's going to take you to hope. We've got to figure out how to finish strong. God uses the challenges of life to help us mature and grow up. To learn to be complete in him. Just as athletes are crowned with victory and all that stuff at the end, God's, God rewards those who persevere to the end. What is our reward as we persevere in Christ? Eternity. 
Daily we get peace, love, patience, kindness, grace, mercy. But at the end, the end of the journey, I can't tell you the peace that it gave me when I'm, my dad passes away and I know in my heart that he's in heaven because he knew who God was. He had a personal relationship with Jesus. There's a peace that surpasses understanding when you know that you know. I'm asking you today to make sure you know that you know. Because the gift of eternity to you is the gift of peace you give to those who survive you. You care about the people around you? Care enough to care for him and let him care for you. It will change all of that. I want to remind you again, perseverance, continuing forward with an attitude of hope, even when confronted with the unpleasant and, and great distress, the circumstances that just freak you out, that just turn your stomach, that cause you to need a roll aid. It's those moments in life. God says, look, persevere, I got you. And the run, it's not the physical, it's the spiritual running of moving forward, full effort, directed purpose. Have you ever gone into Walmart with a purpose? Have you ever come out with 50 things you weren't purpose to get? Purpose. It's like saying, I'm here to get a gallon of milk, which is in the back of the store. So I'm going to walk by 50 points of purchase, 12,000 things on sale, 9 million calories, and I'm going to get the milk. And I'm going to come back out to the front register, and I'm not going to buy the candy and the, the gum and the Skittles. And I'm going to put it on the counter, and I'm going to leave spending three bucks. That's a challenge to all of you right now. Go to Walmart and do that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But that directed purpose where you say in your mind, my purpose today, my purpose for this minute. Dale Carnegie used to write this book on, you know, worry-free living or whatever. And he would say, look, you need to have an airtight compartment, right? And all he was really was saying was have a directed purpose. Know what you're doing, why you're doing it, where you're doing it, who you're doing it for. And I'm going to challenge you today. Really know the who you're doing it for. And if you're doing it for somebody else, get to know this who so you're kinder at that who. Because if you feel yourself getting resentful in the who delivery, you're not in the who receiving. All right? So you've got to be willing to change some of your delivery methods because God may be saying, look, this isn't your race to run. I've got someone else I need to do this. All right. I'll read you something. Oswald Chambers. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him or not. My Utmost for His Highest is a book. Is Really good. He writes a passage called The Faith to Persevere. And uh, perseverance means more than endurance, more than simply holding on to the end. A saint's life is in the hands of God like a bow and arrow and the hands of an archer. God is aiming at something that the saint cannot see. But our Lord continues to stretch and strain. And every once in a while the saint says, I just can't take it anymore. Yet God pays no attention. He goes on stretching until his purpose is in sight. And then he lets the arrow fly. Entrust yourself to God's hands because there is that directed purpose. Is there something in your life that you need perseverance for right now? Is there something that you're seeking where you need some directed purpose? He continues, Faith is not some weak, pitiful emotion but it is a strong and vigorous confidence 
built on the fact that God is holy love. And even though you cannot see him right now and you cannot understand what he is doing, you know him. He loves you. Faith is a supreme effort of your life, throwing yourself with abandon and total confidence upon God. God ventured his all in Jesus Christ to save us. And now he wants us to venture our all with total abandon and confidence in him. Again, I ask you, is there something in your life which you need perseverance for right now? He wants to give you the ability to persevere. We need to have the attitude of joy and relief knowing that our sins have been forgiven, that our slate has been wiped clean, that the race is not about physical fitness, it is about spiritual fitness. You don't have to go look good running, right? You don't have to look good running. You don't have to run fast, but you need to keep pressing on, listening daily to his direction. He is the lamp into your feet and the light into your path. He will show you where to go if you listen. It is a still, small voice. Can you hear him speaking to you? Can you hear him? It's really strange. Sometimes, uh, you know, Buddy and I talk about this all the time. I guess it was a, a moment that's kind of imprinted in my brain was when that truck was coming through that intersection. I'm in a little, little Pontiac Fiero piece of fiberglass. The light's red. It turns green, and my normal instinct is, okay, I'm just being honest with you. Nicholas will test to it. I like to be the first one at the light, right? All right, which is not good, but it's just me. But anyway, um, uh, normally I'd be like, go, right? And something said, stop! So I did. And a dump truck at full speed came right through that light. Me and that little car of fiberglass would have been no match. You've got to have the willingness to listen. God will, I believe, in my own life, this is how it works. God will say something like, hey, that lady in front of you or behind you, she's got a loaf of bread. Go ahead and pay for it so she can go. She's got somewhere to go. Okay, hey, ma'am, come on, I've got 50 things. You've got one. Go. I have no idea what's going on with her, none. But sometimes I feel like that the Lord will see if you're listening on the little bitty stuff. So that all of a sudden she's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, i got to get to the hospital. And you're like, okay, Lord, thanks. Go. Made me feel good. She got bread. Woo. Right? So there was that, that complete circle of, I heard, she needed, it worked out. This is awesome. And then as the needs get bigger and as your ears get a little more tuned and all of a sudden you're hearing God say things, instead of waiting, you do it. Because you know that if you do what God's telling you to do, something good is coming. Right? But the flip side of that is when you don't do it. And then somebody else steps up and, do, and does it. And then you see it happen. And you could have been a part of it. Man, you feel like a slug. You really do. You're just like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I should have listened. I should have done what you said. Why did I hesitate? But there's a second chance. He'll, start, he'll ask me again later. Just got to be listening. Remind you again. What's perseverance? I'm going to get on your nerves with this. What is running? Moving forward. Full effort, directed purpose. Full effort, directed purpose. This is how I feel like life is most of the time. You are running a race in which for us is an event, a moment, a situation, a moment of crisis, a need. Get on the bus every day. It's life is thousands of little bitty races. 
right? It is, a, it is indeed a marathon, but I feel like I go from, from need to need. Do you ever feel that way? That your life is going from, all right, they need this, let me take care of it. They need that, let me take care of it. Mama needs this, let me take care of it. Need to need to need to need. And you notice, for me, this moment right here was when Dad died. I had to go here, go to the nursing home. They called me and said, you need to get here quick. And we knew it was coming. I had seen the train coming down the track for a long time. I knew it was coming. I was trying to prepare my heart for it, right? So my focus was on that train, like, heading at me. So I had some peace in my heart because I knew that he knew the Lord and I knew that he had been suffering. And so, you know, there were some things going on there, right? So my preparation had been... So in my mind, when I went in there, and it was kind of an it-is-finished moment, there was a, a sense of sad relief, but it was relief nonetheless that maybe it, this race was done. It had been long, it had been hard, it had been painful to watch. But then I had to go tell my mom. 11 o'clock at night. And she has a heart attack when I tell her. My finish lasted about 17 minutes. And I went right back in the start again. I had the hearse going one way and the ambulance going the other. And me and my brother going, okay, which one? That's the reality. God perseveres. God helps us to persevere. God gives us what we need. When the starts turn to finishes, turn to starts immediately again. There is a grace that's new. If you seek him, he will give you the grace to deal with whatever, even though you had not prepared yourself for it. And I can honestly say I was completely unprepared. Completely unprepared. Had never crossed my mind that that's the way this is going to go. Never. But even for the things that I don't even consider that sneak up, it did not exceed the grace of God, or his provision. That's my point to the story. It's the joy of knowing that when I am out of my depth, when I am weak and helpless, when I don't know what to do, he does. But if you don't know him, then you don't know that he does. If you don't trust him, you don't receive his provision. If you don't want him to help you, he can't help you persevere. What does perseverance look like? We see this at the end of races all the time in the commentary. They gave it their all. And they fall on the ground and you're like, wow, that was a great race. And now they're all sprawled out on the ground, heavy breathing. Right? Is that what perseverance looks like? I'm going to challenge you that perseverance... Where'd it go? All right. There's another one. Hold on. Uh, Let me get to it. Perseverance right here. Sometimes... It hurts. Sometimes it's a skinned knee. Sometimes it's a broke heart. But sometimes it hurts. But God will help you through it. It's not literally you running through the, the, the finish line of the race. It is the an experience of something that leaves a mark. Yeah, but we know we laugh sometimes and go, that'll leave a mark. Comments, commentary, physical, whatever it is. Perseverance is that band-aid. When you put it on, okay, God, help me, heal me, I'm moving on. Perseverance is sometimes giving yourself the permission to enjoy life even when you don't see much reason to be joyful. 
giving yourself a reason to understand that the joy of the Lord is your strength and it's okay. It's okay to enjoy life even when everything seems hard. Laughter is perseverance. It says laughter is medicine to your bones. It's perseverance. That thing right there is perseverance. Every child and every teacher that heads out to a school every day and they say, here we go again, that's perseverance. When Nicholas puts on his backpack and he says, I don't care what happened yesterday, I'm going into today, that's perseverance. Every day like clockwork, perseverance. When you get in your car to go to work, perseverance. When you brush your teeth in the morning, perseverance. When you put on your pantyhose and you're ready to go, perseverance. When you're not standing still, you're persevering. And it doesn't matter the speed at which you're moving. It's persevering. You are persevering. You are using whatever season of life you're in to its fullest. You're figuring out how can I be a blessing to others? How can I not only sustain life, but hear God's voice because he's not done with me yet. Don't try to navigate on your own going it alone. You'll be broken. You've got to go with others. You can grow and prosper. The wisest man ever said, you know, Solomon, uh, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and three will not be broken quickly. That great accompaniment that God has put in our lives where somebody can step up and run the race next to you and say, hey, I've been there. Let me help you. Let me help you for a moment. And I, I meant to tell you something else too. What else does, does perseverance look like? These right here, that's Perseverance. When you are moving on, going through, getting over something, it says that he collects your tears in a bottle. Can you imagine every teardrop that you have, God caring about you so much that he collects it? This is perseverance. Hope isn't found simply through relief. Perseverance is just the endurance of passing time. And it's, it's not just waiting for it to be over with. It's found when others share in that race with you. It's found in community. Paul urged us, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. All right, so I hear it all the time as a chaplain, so I'm just going to share it now. When you're trying to minister to somebody and you're trying to say you need to have hope and perseverance, God loves you, he cares about you, he wants you to push on, he has something great for you. I can honestly say that God has a a call for every person in this room and every one of you it's different and he wants to talk to you daily. I can tell you everything that I know, but if I can't get through what you know, you will never hear it because most people will say stuff like this, you don't understand, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what they said to me. You have no idea how they treated me. You have no idea. You're right. I probably don't. So here we go. Right? You got a card and you got a crayon. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but I spared no expense. This is the Crayola brand crayon, right? It's the good stuff, right? Your teachers in the room know what I'm talking about. You know, they color the color that says it should be, all that. And if you take a minute, man, that's childhood right there. Unless it's been in your vacuum cleaner, then that's a whole other memory, right? But right there, right? Now, I want you to take the, we're just going to go a little Sunday school for a moment, okay? Just bear with me. On this card, I want you to write, Jesus loves me. All right, so 
It's a shiny new crayon. You are the first person to ever touch that crayon. You're the first person to ever write with that crayon. Okay? Your fingerprints are all over that crayon. That crayon is yours. So now we're going to really go out on a limb here. We're going to violate all the rules. Okay? You ready? I want you to break the crayon. Now I hear the grumbling in the room. It's a new shiny crayon. I was taught my whole life, do not break the crayons. And children, do not go to school and say, well, the lady at church said break the crayon. Do not do that. All right? Break the crayon. All right? Now, I want you to take a piece of that crayon. I want you to write on that same card, Jesus still loves me. And in the breaking of that crayon, I want you to think about, is there a moment in your life where you felt that things would never be the same again? Because my point is, we come in here and we're trying to look all like the happy crayons. We got it all together, right? This is really what we look like. Okay? This is really what we look like. And that's not bad. Because here's why. Broken crayons still color. They still write. You can still use them. Broken crayons, each one of us has a place in our life where we're broken. But you know something? If even if it's in that, that really weird moment for me in the past couple of months, where now I have something and I felt this physically, I felt this. I have had more than one occasion to break my crayon several times and hand it to someone else who's going through the same thing. Say, I've been there. I see. God loves me. He was there for me. I I, I couldn't not have imagined being in the situation that I was in, but God loved and cared for me, even when my crayon didn't look perfect, even when things weren't coming together quite right, and I couldn't get it all put back together myself, and then I realized I really didn't need to put it back together. I needed to get on with The fact that God loves me, he's helping me persevere, he's helping me run the race, he binds up the brokenhearted, he cares for every tear I've wept, he knows me personally, and I know him. And that peace that surpasses understanding happens here. When you're perfect and you got it all together, you don't need him. At least you think you don't. But I shudder to think that there's anybody that gets through this life with a complete crayon. We all have had our breaking moments. God wants to be right here. He wants to help you. What is that balm of Gilead? That healing balm that it talks about in the Bible where he wants to restore your soul, renew your spirit, heal you from the top of the head to the soles of your feet. Whatever that is, he will make you new and whole again. And instead of it being your couple of pieces, it will be you and him in the restoration. So, if you're fighting the temptation to simply give up, I want to encourage you to hold on. If you're running and you're never reaching your goal, I'm not saying you're not successful, I'm just saying the finish line keeps changing. Work, home, life, love, whatever, it just keeps changing. Hold on. Because God really cares for you. What is the result of your your own race with perseverance and, and placing your trust in God? Hope joy and peace 
It says in Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I pray for all of you today. That not only do you just reach out your hand and he will take yours. He wants to take your problems, your concerns, your issues. He wants you to hold on. But he wants not only just to make it. If I could just make it through the day. He wants you to thrive. He wants an overflow, an abundance. Far more than you could ask or think he wants to provide for you. But you have to hold on. Let's pray. God, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, if there are any that are struggling to just hold on, I pray, God, right now that you just bind them up. Father, your word says, I bind up the brokenhearted. I pray, God, that that binding begin to happen. God, in every situation of our life that has somehow left a smidgen of broken something, I pray, Lord God, you begin to heal us. You begin to help us, God, to know that we can run the race that you set out before us that you are going to help us with every step along the way, that you are going to give us the perseverance to move on, you're going to give us the new attitude and the new perspective, you're going to help us to stop looking back and saying what was and look forward to what you will do. So God, I pray in Jesus' name, if there's anyone today that says, God, I want to reach my hand out to you, but I just don't know how to do it, it's really simple. That's sometimes why it's so hard. He did everything for us. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you. I I believe you died on the cross. I believe you've forgiven my sin, that your blood was shed so that, that I could have access to eternity. Lord God, I need you. Please, Father, I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. You've just extended your hand to his, and I guarantee you he's taken it. So if you need that today, receive it. If there's somebody right now and you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior and you're struggling in ways that you don't know how to communicate, God loves you. Hold on. Good things are coming. Hold on. His promises are true and the Bible says he never lies. He never lies. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The world will leave you high and dry, but he will never do it. So you hold on. So if you're with us today and you can hear my voice, I pray God right now in Jesus' name for your peace that surpasses understanding and your provision, God, far beyond what we could ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen.